0: Chapter twenty-five of the Silent House This is a LibriVox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Atman. The Silent House by Fergus Hume. Chapter twenty-five. A Dark Plot. So Vrain is alive after all, was Lucian's comment on the speech of George, and he is under your charge jove it's wonderful diana was right after all diana who is diana queried jorce then held up his hand to stop the visitor from replying wait i know vrain mentioned his daughter diana yes she is the daughter of vrain and she believes her father to be alive on what grounds because the dead man whom until recently she believed to be mr vrain had one of his little fingers missing that fact came to her knowledge only a week ago, and when it did she declared that the deceased could not be her father. "Hm," said Jorce thoughtfully, I am quite in the dark as to why Mr. Vrain was put under my charge, because Ferrucci wished to marry his widow. I see, substituted another man for my patient and had him killed." evidently replied lucian but i am almost as much in the dark as you are dr jorce tell me how vrain came to be placed here and in exchanging confidence for your confidence i'll let you know all i have discovered since the death of the man in geneva square who called himself berwin that is a fair offer replied jorce clearing his throat and one which i willingly accept I do not wish you to think that I am in league with Signor Ferrucci, and what I did was done honestly. I am not afraid of telling you my story. I am sure of that, replied Lucian heartily. I guess that Ferrucci had not trusted you altogether, from the time he feigned that your evidence was needed only to decide a bet. Trust me, echoed Joris with scorn. He never trusted me at all. He's too cunning for that. However, you shall hear i'm all attention doctor a week before last christmas signor ferrucci called to see me and explained that he was interested in a gentleman named michael clear whom he had met some years before in italy clear he said had been most intimate with him but later had indulged so much in the morphia habit that their friendship had terminated with high words afterwards clear had returned to england and ferrucci lost sight of him for some months he visited england and one day found clear in the street looking ill and wretched the man had become a confirmed morphia maniac and the habit had weakened his brain the count pitied the poor creature according to his own story and took him to his home the whereabouts of which clear was happily able to remember Where is the house? asked Lucian, taking out his pocket-book. Number thirty, St. Bertha's Road, Baywater, replied Joyce, and when the barrister, for his private information, had made a note of the address, he continued. It then appeared that Clear was married. The wife told Ferrucci that he was afraid of her husband, who, in his fits of drink, for he drank likewise, often threatened to kill her. They had lost their money, and the poor woman was at her wits' end what to do. Ferrucci explained to me that out of friendship he was most anxious to befriend Clear, and stated that Miss Clear wished to get her husband cured. He proposed, therefore, to put Clear into my asylum, and pay on behalf of his wife. A very ingenious and plausible plan, said Lucian. Well, doctor, what did you say? I agreed, of course provided that the man was certified insane in the usual way. Ferrucci then departed, promising to bring Mrs. Clear to see me. He brought her late on Christmas Eve at ten. Ah, interrupted Lucian, did she wear a black gauze veil with velvet spots? She did, Mr. Denzil. have you met her? No, but I have heard of her. She was the woman who visited Rent in Jersey Street. No doubt Ferrucci was waiting for her in the backyard. Who is Rent? asked Jorce, looking puzzled. Don't you know the name, Doctor? No. Did Mrs. Clear ever mention it? Never. Nor Ferrucci? No, I've never heard the name before, replied Jorce complacently. Strange, said Denzel reflectively. Yet Rent seems to be at the bottom of this whole plot. Well, never mind now. Please continue, my dear Doctor. What did Mrs. Clear say? Oh, she repeated Ferrucci's story, amplified in a feminine fashion. She was afraid of Michael, who, when excited with morphia or drink, would snatch up a knife and attempt at her life. Twice she had to disarm him, and now she was very tired and frightened. She was willing for him to go into my asylum, since Count Ferrucci had so kindly consented to bear the expense, but she wished to give him one more chance. Then, as it was late, she stayed all night here, so did the Count, and on Christmas Day they went away. What time did they come back? About a fortnight later, and they brought with them the man they both called Michael Clear. What was he like? An old man with a white beard. Is he mad? asked Lucian Buntley. He's not mad now, only weak in the head, replied Jorce professionally, but he was certainly mad when he arrived. The man's brain was wrecked by morphia, Not by drink? No, although it suited Mrs. Clear and Ferrucci to say so. But Clear, as I may call him, was very violent and quite justified Mrs. Clear's desire to sequester him. She told me that he often imagined himself to be other people, sometimes he would feign to be napoleon again like the pope and when he a week after he was in the asylum insisted that he was mark vrain i put it down to his delusion but how do you think he came by that name doctor my dear sir at that time the papers were full of the case and its mystery and as we have a reading-room in the asylum i fancy that mr clear had seen the accounts and had, as a delusion, called himself Vrain. Afterwards he fell into a kind of comatose state, and for weeks he said very little. He was at most abject and frightened, and responded in a timid sort of way to the name of Clear. Naturally he confirmed me in his belief that his calling himself Vrain was a delusion, and he grew better, and one day he told me that his name was Vrain of course i did not believe him still he was so persistent about the matter that i thought there might be something in it and i spoke to ferrucci what did he say he denied the man's name was anything but clear that the wife and two doctors for the poor soul had been duly certified as insane had put them into the asylum and together persisted so strongly that in his original story that i thought it was absurd to put a crazy man's delusion against a sane man's tale besides everything regarding the certificate of sequestering of clear had been quite legal two doctors and very rightly two had certified to the insanity of the man and his wife as i then believed mrs clear to be had consented to his detention what made you so suspicious that there might be something wrong asked lucian eagerly my visit to meet you at Fruci's request to prove the alibi responded Joyce. I thought it was strange, and afterwards, when a man named Mr. Link called, I thought it was stranger still. But you did not see Link? No, I was in Italy then, but I heard of his visit. In Florence I heard a most accomplished gossip of the whole story of Mr. Vrain's marriage and his prior engagement of Mrs. Vrain to Ferrucci. I suggested that there might be some plot, but I could not quite understand how it was carried out, save that Vrain, as I then began Mr. Clear to be, had been placed in my asylum under a false name. On my return I intended to see you, when I was laid up in Florence with the fever. Now, however that we have met, tell me so much of the story as you know. Afterwards, we shall see Mr. Vrain. Lucian was willing enough to show his confidence in Jorce, The more so as he needed his help forthwith he told him all he knew from the time he had met michael clear alias mark berwin alias mark vrain in geneva square down to the moment that he had presented himself for information at the gates of the haven dr jorst listened with the greatest attention his little face puckered up into a grim smile and he shook his head when the barrister ended his recital a bad word mr denzil a bad word he said rising come with me and i will take you to my patient but what do you think of it all said denzil eager for some comment i'll tell you that rejoined Joyce. when you have heard the story of mr vrain in a few minutes lucian was led by his guide into a pleasant room with french windows opening onto a wide veranda a sunny lawn set round by flowers Books were arranged on shelves around the wall, newspapers and magazines were on the table, and near the window, in a comfortable chair, sat an old man with a volume in his hand. As Jorce entered he stood up and shuffled forward with a senile smile of delight. Evidently, and with reason, poor soul, he considered the doctor his very good friend. "'Well, well,' said the cheery Jorce, "'and how are you today, Mr. Vrain?' "'I feel quite well,' replied Vrain, in a soft, weak voice, "'who is this doctor?' "'A young friend of mine, Mr. Vrain. He wishes to hear your story.' Uh, "'Alas, alas,' sighed Vrain, his eyes filling with tears, "'a sad story, sir.' The father of Diana was of the middle height, with white hair and a long white beard, which swept his chest.' on his cheek lucian saw the cicatrix of which diana had spoken and mainly by which the dead man had been falsely identified as vrain he was very like clear in figure and manner but of course the resemblance in the face was not very close as clear had been clean-shaven whereas the real vrain wore a beard the eyes were dim and weak-looking and altogether lucian saw that vrain not fitted to battle with the world in any way and was quite weak enough to become the prey of villains as had been his sad fate my name is mark vrain young sir he said beginning the story without further preamble i lived in berwyn manor bath and my wife lydia but she treated me badly by letting another man love her and i left her "'Oh, yes, sir, I left her. "'I went away to Salisbury, and I was very happy there with my books, "'but, alas, I took more—' brain. F- said Joris, holding up his finger. "'No!' Uh, "'Of course, of course,' said the old man, with a watery smile. "'I—I I mean, I was very happy there. "'But Signor Ferrucci, a black-hearted villain— "'his face grew dark as he mentioned the name— "'found me out, and made me come with him to London. "'He kept me there for months, and he brought me here.' "'Kept you where, Mr. Vrain?' asked Lucian gently. "'The old man looked at him with a vacant eye. "'I don't know,' he said in a dull voice. "'You came from Baywater?' hinted Joyce. "'Yes, yes, Baywater,' cried Vrain, growing excited. "'I was there with a woman they called my wife. "'She was not my wife. "'My wife is fair. "'This woman was dark. "'Her name was Maud Clear. "'My wife's name is Lydia.' Did Mrs. Clear ever say that you were her husband, Michael? Yes, she called me Michael Clear, and brought me to stay with the doctor, but I am not Michael Clear. End of chapter 25 Recorded by Jeff Emmon in 2011 for LibriVox.org